to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh hey, hey, if you are obedient you are calling the bible alaba shake bredo so kono hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing the light if the light goes on it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines it shines no my light will not just go on hora basakala mashida bahaya mambro dos dagida haya no my light will not just go on it's not enough that you clear you have to be excellent your light no 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 it's, it's not enough that you do before and he has put all things under his side under his side The Bible says the church Ephesians chapter 2 the church was built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone you know what that means it means they literally gave their lives when i was teaching you last time i was telling you sometimes i look at how people someone can come to church today and have the guts to say the service was too long imagine the boldness it takes the flesh The, f- the dimensions of the flesh it takes for someone to sit in church just hoping that this whole service can come to an end so that they go where <laughs> for what to what end what for what yet that same person can stay at the workplace from 8 hours to 17 hours they will not complain anything why because there's a salary they will get at the end here you don't get anything that's why you come and insist that the service should end fast either that or you are just very ignorant you know ignorant people are so bold i see my son rushing towards electricity he just wants to touch the electricity he just wants to touch it and when we stop him from touching it he cries bitterly So me I let him do some of the things. <laughs> When my wife is not watching. <laughs> to my lessons. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's a boy. They listen with their skin. You look at his nose, it's bruised. Eh? <laughs> He fell while sitting. So we've been looking at warfare and uh, anyway so all I'm telling you is you serve God with your with your substance okay the bible says in Luke chapter 8 that there were women who served Jesus with their substance that means they used their own salary this is one reason you need to work so that you can have something to serve God with financially okay it's a privilege it's a pleasure hallelujah someone said it's a privilege yes It's children who are always asking for things. When you grow up, you want to find out how can I feed my parents? How can I make sure that my home is doing fine? So in the place of sonship, you want to see how you want it's no longer the kingdom of God, it's our kingdom. 
Do you see how I react if I see a heathen posting strange things? It's not, no, it's not, it's our kingdom. Here on earth, it is my kingdom. You say anything funny, I was even posting that. Whoever I think I am, I was writing, I was sharing the president's post, and I'm saying, as long as you take care of the church, you are good. (laughs) You touch the church, we touch you. Because it's our kingdom. Hallelujah. So, such things. Just know. You, you, you need, you, I wanted to say you are too small, but you are not in the place to judge how long a service should be. You are not in that place. And one way to measure your maturity is through your obedience. Obedience is not for young people in the faith. <laughs> Something funny, it's very funny yesterday happened. Someone said, ah, I can't write the exam. Then I said, you are writing. Then they said, no, I have to prepare. I wasn't ready. I didn't know there was an exam. I said, you, are, you know, at church, at Hof, we write exams. Anything I teach you, you write an exam. So they were not ready. I was testing their obedience. That's it. If you are here, you know I'm talking to you. <laughs> I was simply testing your obedience and maturity. Meanwhile, if your boss called you now, come to your workplace, you stop everything you are doing and go. You stop. That, sometimes it doesn't even matter it's church. You stop. And you will go to your leader and say, oh, the boss has called me. And they expect to be understood. There's no sacrifice whatsoever. The, the obedience is weak. It takes maturity to be obedient. You hear Sunday school saying, obedience, let them just learn it. It it takes maturity to obey. And sometimes you obey, you don't like the instruction. There are many times I've done that. My seniors have told me things. I don't like it. If you don't please people, you are sowing a bad seed. One day you want people to please you then they'll refuse, they'll reject, they'll refuse to please you. It's not, I wish I could tell you some of my things, my walk with my spiritual father. But that's private. But I'll tell you maybe in, <laughs> in a dark saying, in, a, in dark sentences. Hallelujah. That's obedience. God, God wakes up and tells a man, kill your son, give him as you. It gets to that place. Obedience is not for the faint-hearted. We have been looking at a subject we've been calling mastery of warfare, okay? Now there are three more teachings that we have to do on the mastery of warfare. We are going to look at authors, then we are also going to look at dealing with ungodly thoughts in detail, and then we are going to look at um, the fullness of warfare. So we've got three more teachings, okay? Uh, it's a whole syllabus you've been learning. At the end of the day, <laughs> you should be a master at warfare. But then today I felt a sudden inspiration that we should look at a topic and we're just going to look at it for two Sundays. And we are calling it When God Loves a Man and What It Means to Love God. So today we are going to look at when God loves a man. What happens when God loves a man? When God loves you? Now listen, what I'm about to share with you is your access point to the blessing of God. What I'm going to share with you is your access point to the blessing of God. A lot of people mistake riches for prosperity. A man can be rich and still be broke. Prosperity is not something that is tangible. In the book, 
the richest man in Babylon. If, you, if, you've, if you've read that book, it's, it's got interesting things. You may want to look at it. It's one of those books you can read. One very rich man is moving with a chest and purse of money. Then a thief comes from nowhere and steals all his money. Then he just stands there and is not running after the man. And the guy who's by the side is wondering, but you, that's stealing your wealth. And he tells him, no, that's not wealth. Then he talks about things that he has. He talks about connections. He talks about influence. He talks about his fame. He looks at his experience. That is prosperity. There are people, you, you probably read about them in the UK, who've won millions of pounds in jackpots, but within a few months became broke. They were rich, but not prosperous. So what God wants to give you is not riches first. What God wants to give you is prosperity. And prosperity is the blessing. Prosperity is the learning. Prosperity is the skill. And prosperity is the strength. It is the capacity to produce riches. When you have that, you can lose a one million quarter today and within a few months make it sweatlessly. You should know what you must be looking for in God. The Bible says God has blessed us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Then somebody said, ah, why aren't these blessings? They are in the spirit. So if you, no, 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 no. Even the best because it means you have something from where the riches can come from. A lot of times I see people come into, and all those things are good. People come to the front and say, oh, I got, I got a job. What a blessing. I got a car. What a blessing. Are you telling me that some of the heathens are more blessed than us? Because they've got a bigger car. A lot of times I see just carnality in the testimonies. <laughs> the Christian has to begin seeing beyond what everyone is seeing. If you got a car, you need to sit down and say, not say, hey, you excitement. Nobody. You forget the lesson. Okay, you need to sit down and say, what led to me getting this car? You need to sit down. What happened before I got this car? It means you are maturing. It means you are becoming spiritual. What's that thing which provoked the release of the car? Because it means once you service that thing, once you grow in that thing, you can lose a car. You have a car today. Eh? You need tea. There's tear and wear. So you, you always have to fix it. It's not even a case. It's just cars. But where are you going to make the money to consistently service your car? What's that thing which made you have? What's that thing you did? Which made you produce that car? When you can get a hold of that thing, was it because you were giving consistently? Was it because you were praying? Then you, you know, you know the reason why people get depressed when they lose wealth is because they worked so hard for it. They never used grace. But if you know the grace that you functioned with to get the money that you got, then even if you lose it as a test, your patience will come up because you know you never lost the sources. That is the blessing of God. When God was blessing man, do you know what he said? God said, the Bible says, then God blessed them and he said. That's how he blessed them. He said. God didn't say, okay, now it's fruitful, now become majesty, now what multiply, now it's not No. The Bible says God blessed them and said, that's how the blessing came. One day a man was sleeping, he had a chat with God. God told him, you'll be the smartest man alive when you wake up. You'll be so wise, you'll be wiser than your forefathers and those who are yet to come. 
The Bible didn't say God went into the dimensions of the libraries of wisdom and grabbed the books and started pouring in his brain. No. He spoke to him. As he, sp as he spoke, he was transmitting something. When Solomon woke up, he was the wisest guy alive. Just like that. There was no surgery. Hey, as a Christian, as a believer, you must know what you must look for. Life is spiritual. This is how come now you'll be envying even sinners. How come they don't even tithe, but look at how rich they are. They may be rich, but not wealthy. They may be rich, but not prosperous. How do you even know how he... Do you know? Okay, what produced that wealth for him? How do you know what he did to get that wealth? Also, you know what you should do. That's why the Bible say, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First. Look, a lot of times, you, sometimes you should ask, where have I missed it in seeking the kingdom of God to be here? Lord, is there anywhere I've missed? What should I do in the spirit and in the order of the blessing so that I can, I can get all these things? Because the Bible says, and all these things shall be added. So sometimes we are pursuing the wrong thing. There are ways I was teaching these kids behind that God is love. So any definition you are going to have about love must have God in the equation. Because that's what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. It says, God is love. So if you are going to describe love as a strong emotion, you can't explain that you feel for someone. If God can't be found in the equation, then that's a joke. We just don't know why we didn't laugh. Someone said love is not a feeling. Okay. Can God be found in the equation? Any, any definition you are going to have, and you are going to call it love, must have its source from God. <laughs> in the same way, every dimension of prosperity or wealth, that the riches you are going to have, if you can't trace God, to be behind the riches you are having. If you can't trace God behind your job, if you can't trace God behind your marriage, if you can't trace God behind your success, then yours is not different from the, from the heathens. It's a substance, an empty form without the substance of God. Hallelujah. So what I am teaching you, the things I am teaching you are the things that matter. We can pray for you to get a job. We can pray for you to get a husband. But if there's no God behind it. And let me just say something. Sometimes I see people coming to church and they're like, I got a job which I didn't deserve. That's called favor, right? But are you going to, is favor going to sustain you in terms of how you're going to operate? God was teaching you something about Joseph. Favor gave him the position, but his intelligence and his skill made him keep the position. So don't just say, children of God, <laughs> children of God, I get a job which I didn't deserve. Soon you will know that you don't deserve it. Every time God qualifies you into a place, your character, your training, your skill must maintain it. You just can't say, I got a lot of money, I didn't, what's the plan? Those are some of the things. 
Favor without skill can be a joke. You can reach a place, you can get a man by favor, but you need trainings, teachings to keep the marriage. You can't keep a marriage by favor, no. You have to be taught. You have to be taught how to serve your wife, how to care for her needs. You have to be taught how to be clean. You have to be taught. Oh yeah, because boys just throw things around. He can be 29, but he a boy. <laughs> but you're not that type. Hallelujah. And all the ladies said, Amen. <laughs> the married are saying, so, so that you're not seen. Because it's your Kavakunand. Now, when God loves a man, there are certain things that we see. Number one, I'll show you. When God loves a man, he creates him in his own image and likeness. That is love. The Bible says God created man and God created man in his own image, Genesis 126, and after his likeness. God never made anything or anyone after his own image and after his likeness. Never. That was new. For the first time, God had a meeting with himself. The Bible says, and Elohim said. The word Elohim is a, is a plural, plural word for God. That means the Bible says, and God said. The word God is Elohim. The word Elohim is plural for God. It means it was not just one God. It means in the community of God, he went into himself and sat down and had a meeting. And he said to himself, let me, let us create man in our own image and after our own likeness. So when we see man, we are seeing a combination of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit in the flesh. There was, a, there was a meeting, a board meeting. Nobody attended that, only God in himself. The rest just came to watch God creating man. That's, that's strange. I told you before that when God created some angels, he created them out of fire. Some of them, he created them out of judgment. You don't want judgment. You can touch judgment. <laughs> God created them out of judgment. Some of them, he created them out of precious stones. I've seen angels before who look like rainbows. And he created all of them out of himself. But for this one, he had a meeting. And he said, let us create man out in our own image and after his own likeness. And the Bible says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That man was speaking prophetically. So who feared when he created him? Even God feared him. When he looked at man, he said, ah. <laughs> Say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, that is love. That means you cannot measure the love that God has for you with the love he has for angels and other beings. When an angel fell, God never came to die. When a man fell, God stepped down and said, I will die for this one. You can imagine. Some angels were just like, mm. but Nizak, <laughs> hallelujah. Don't you think that is love? God loves you. That even if you were alone, we see in the spirit, even if you are alone, God will still come and die for you. That's how valuable you are. That's why 
demons are jealous i'm sure this is why one angel stood before god and said what is man that you're mindful of him <laughs> hallelujah we have the essence character and nature of god so god when god loves a man he creates him in his own image and his likeness so every time you are walking <sighs> You are a walking image and likeness of God. If someone asks you, how does God look like? That's why Jesus Christ was in shock. Philip asks him, you know, show us the Father. Then he said, this is the, the Father you see me. Don't you know that if you see yourself, you're also seeing God? That's basically why Jesus Christ was saying. You know, I'll tell you something. When you meet God, when you meet God, especially you who are saved, let me tell you a mystery. When you meet God, you will feel like you have always known him. Every time God speaks to him, to me, and many times when God appears to me, <laughs> I mean in a normal way, not in that dimension, because there are times when God just appears like, you know, and you're like, what? For example, one time God appeared to Cain, and he was talking to Cain, and Cain would say, hey, am I my brother's keeper? He would even do ping, he would, he would answer. There are times when God ap ap appears like that, and you can talk to him and say, ah, are you talking to me? Sometimes God can appear and you can think it's me talking, like Samuel. God appeared to him and said, Samuel, he thought it was his past. The way some of you listen to God through me and you think it's me, but you just missed him. <sighs> when God loves a man, he grows a relationship with him. And sometimes... Like I'm telling you, when you meet God, it will be like you've always known him. One day I appeared before God. I didn't know. I just found myself. Now, the way it was. Sometimes it's difficult to explain these things. I find myself behind the seat of God, behind God's throne. First, I'm just walking like this. And then I'm like, I'm just walking. Then I'm like, wait, where am I? Then boom, I'm in the throne room of God. That's how I explain it. And then, I don't know what to do. I'm like, my goodness, there's glory everywhere. There's the power of God. And then God, you know, God, I'm like, when you meet God, you're thinking, what sins have I committed? I need to confess. <laughs> then I'm trying, now, this may sound as stupid as it did. I was trying to escape the throne room of God so that I can run somewhere. Then, when I just did, God said, ah, Daniel, it's you, you can go. Then I woke up. But, but when I heard him, it was as if, it was as if I have always known him. Because there's a part of you which is like God. And there's a part of you that is constantly in communion with God. So when you see him, you realize that you've always known him. Then one of your regrets will be like, hey, I should have listened that day and that day and that day and that day. One day, in a dream, I was chatting with, a certain, with certain people, and God, God came in, and he was wearing a jean. Now, you know how dreams are. God walked in the room with a jean and greeted her. Ah, gentlemen, how are you then? God, how are you doing? You, I, <laughs> Sometimes I understand why the Bible says Jacob was sleeping, and angels were coming up and down and descending. Then when he woke up, he was like, huh, I was in the presence of God and I never knew it. It's like that sometimes. 
It's like that sometimes. This is why in my movies I try to explain the supernatural in such a way that it leaves an impact in you. Like in the movie that is coming. Okay. Uh, let me... <laughs> it's underway. This one you will not have it for free, by the way. And so God walks in with a gene and he greets us. Ah, gentlemen, how are you doing? And we're like, God, ah, you're here. Yes, yes, yes. Then he's looking at a certain brother, and it was his a brother's birthday. He had like, God had like money in his pocket. Then he was like, ah, I wanted to give you money, but you, you drink. And he left. Now, when I woke up, I was afraid because I realized, wait, I was in the presence of God. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know, why are you apologizing? I don't know. <laughs> just sorry, you know, just sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, for the fear. <laughs> Just apologize. When you're in the presence of God, you just want to apologize. Anyways, so this, I, now this brother was like on fire, or at least we thought. So I was like, oh, that brother drinking. This is going to be like missing a prophetic word. But then the thing was on my heart, so I called him. I said, ah, you know, I had a dream, ABC. Then he says, hey, pastor, I've been struggling with alcohol. I now take my prophetic dimensions. <laughs> And I say, yeah, you know, the Lord spoke to me. Um, <laughs> Hallelujah. So, when God loves people, he mingles with them. Sometimes in a very simple way. Another time I was praying with some guys. Oh, there's a book I'm writing, by the way. Hopefully it will be, end, it will be out by the end of uh, October. It's titled My Supernatural uh, uh, my, um, Diary my diary of the supernatural, okay? A story of my walk with God. So I put all these experiences I've had. Number one, to create a hunger in you, an awareness of the realm of the spirit, and maybe to open grace for you to have your personal encounters with God. Hallelujah. That's, that's, my, that's my dream, that's my aim. So that when we meet, we are discussing certain things. You're not looking at me like, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know? So anyways, this one time we used to pray with my friends. We used to pray 24 hours, just praying, praying, praying. Now this one night, I was hoping they don't pray. Because I was tired. Now you know these are my brothers, when I post Fred and Pastor Gomejo. Nishi, it's like 24-10. So I'm thinking, ah, they're gone up. Just hear Pastor Fred in the living room. So I dragged myself to the living room. <laughs> I reached there. Now, by the grace of God, the dining was dark because the light was out. So I said, uh, I just want to lay prostrate. I just, you know, uh, because you guys are pacing the floor. So I just want to, you know, just lay prostrate. <laughs> so I dragged myself into the, <laughs> into the dining and there was like a nice chair by the side. I even knew there. <laughs> I was just saying, Father, <laughs> Father, <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm enjoying myself. I'm so relaxed. I'm not hearing painters shouting. You know? Then suddenly I began hearing their prayers far off. Like they are here, but they are not here, they are there. Then I noticed, I'm like, mm. <laughs> what is this? So I began praying in tongues. The atmosphere changed. 
It just became heavy with the weight of the glory. Now, there's a difference between the kabod glory and the Shekinah glory. The word kabod comes from the word weight. It's the weight of the glory. It's also what they say, the other word is karat. So they, they measure, the, 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 there's a dimension of value called weight that they use to measure diamonds. Okay, they measure them in the value of their weight. So sometimes there's a weight of the presence of God. That's a kabod glory. The Shekinah is the one that shines. It manifests. It's brilliant. But God can come as a man like this. You even cook for him and he eats. But then you just notice like Abraham, he was like, mm -mm, there's something about these men. There's a weight of the glory. Hallelujah. And even you, as you walk out today, may the weight of the glory of God be upon you. Yeah. You will sit with someone and someone will be like, hey. You know, sometimes at, at my workplace, somebody say that sometimes we just pretend we want to fall walking next to you. <laughs> And I'm like, how? Then they're like, I don't know. I'm like, I know. <laughs> it's a weight. It's the weight. Sometimes you feel it when you come from praying. So just like, da 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 the Bible says as Jesus prayed, his countenance began to change. That means the weight of the presence of God, the Shekinah, the dimension of the glory of God called the Shekinah began to manifest. His face began to change, his clothes began to brighten up. But when he went to see the people, the Shekinah had gone inside. What was in was the kabod, the weight. So when he reached and he said to the demon, out, he didn't have to struggle, it left the weight. The weight. You go, this week you go into an interview. <laughs> The weight. Somebody say the weight. the weight. The weight of the glory of God on you. I decree and declare, may you begin to experience the weight of the glory. You know, somebody says, I'm just feeling heavy. Why? You can feel some different things now. From now on, you'll be walking like this. You'll be entering a bus. And you're wondering why people are not falling. The weight. The weight. Hey, listen. This is not for, this is not for men of God. This is for the normal believer. You can be feeling a pain in your stomach, but when the weight comes, <laughs> you just feel it begin to disappear. I command the weight of the glory of God to be activated in your life. I call out the weight. That glory which is on the inside of you, begin to sense it. Begin to sense it. Now in the name of Jesus. The weight. The weight. How, how come? How come you know the feeling of a headache? How come you know when your stomach is hurting? You even know at every month I feel this kind of way. How come you can feel malaria? But as child of God as you are, you can't feel the weight of his presence. It ends today. I said it ends today. Somebody say wait. Say wait. La kabareko zata bradia sade bregedesh. E paraka sate ke prondele pragadis. Le paraka sate ke bregedesh. You see, wait. Wait. Somebody say wait. La karasa di bregedosh. Para ondele gedibahas. I know it. I know it. And then you train yourself to feel it. 
You train yourself to feel it. Wait. You can train yourself to feel it. You can be walking like this. And you just go, ha, 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 ha. You know something is happening to you. You can be playing your keyboard, your instruments, and you know this one, they will pray. It's not out of talent. They wait. They wait. Hallelujah. Let the weight of your glory fall. You know that song? Now, anyways, what I'm trying to tell you is there was no brightness, but there was a weight. Then what happened? Because of that weight, certain things begin happening. Suddenly, I was pulled out of my body. I couldn't feel my body anymore. It's like my senses were shut off. It's called a trance. And I was standing in front of Jesus, and it was dark. And Jesus was dark. Don't ask me how. I'm just telling you what I experienced. Because it was not a Shekinah, it was a weight. And he talked to me about Mark chapter, chapter 16, verse 17, three times. When he was done, he walked out of the dark room, and it remained dark. There was no brightness. I then get into my body back, zwa. And I found I was speaking in tongues, and I pick up the tongue. My body was still praying, but my spirit was out. A man can die and still be with you. Somebody was saying, I have this fear of death. But you work with dead people. You work with them, some of them you share the same house. <laughs> the presence of God is not there, they're already dead. There's a difference between death and ceasing to exist in this realm. Many people you said they died, they cease to exist in this realm. And I'll touch on that, but somebody say, wait. I feel like God is unlocking people's glory weights. The dimension of the weight of glory you, you carry is being unlocked in this place. How come, how come you're able to feel lust for a woman when you see her? But you can't feel the weight of the glory of God. That has to change. Listen, that's why I'm dwelling here. Because when God loves a man, he enables him to carry the weight of his presence. 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 It's been activated. You walk out today and you just close your eyes like this you activate the weight of his presence. When you go talk to a person like this, they won't do, no. They, somehow, their mouth will just be numb till you are done talking. <laughs> Wait. The Bible says they couldn't resist the wisdom with which Stephen spoke. He was talking to them. They are very argumentative, but they shut up. Wait. Hallelujah. And one way you activate the weight of the glory of God is in prayer, is in confessions and in acknowledging that that weight is on you and with you. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? That's very important. So God sometimes can come in very simple ways. Very simple ways. Like he came in a dark room for me. And I told them, oh, guys, you can stop praying. I met the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Why are they praying when I met Jesus? Anyways, I was young. <laughs> Moving on. So God... God makes him like him. That's beautiful. That's powerful. 
That's when God loves a man. Number two, obviously, when God loves a man, he dies for him. When God loves a man, he dies for him. That is love. These are the, now, remember what I'm telling you, what I'm teaching you. This is a blessing. The blessing is not, and Christians have to be careful to stop thinking, oh, I bought a new camera, that's the blessing. No. That's just the fruit of the blessing. It's good. Buy everything you want to buy, but that's just a fruit. This, imagine you are carrying the, the cupboard as you are moving about. You are blessed. Not because by the cupboard you are able to get the job. You go into an, a room, there's an interviewer, you sit there. The cupboard is on you. <laughs> hey, the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy, that's the blessing, shall follow me all the days of my life. As you are walking, there's just goodness. People just want to give it to my contracts. That's a blessing. Look for the blessing. Don't be blind. No, I don't have that guy. I don't have that cloth. I don't have that. No, 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 no. You, you have to. From today, you have to step back into the spirit and begin activating what the blessing is. Then you can come and everything will work for you. Someone say the blessing. blessing. That's what the blessing is. So you are asking God sometimes for the wrong thing. Lord, car, 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 or whatever. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I am blessed. I don't lack anything. The presence of God is at work in my life. I'm winning souls. I've got favor with men. How can you not get a job with favor with men? I walked into an office one time from a man who kicked me out. He looked at me and he forgot that he kicked me out. And he said, what do you want? I said, I want a job. He said, okay, tell the secretary to write for you. The secretary went, wrote for me, came back and said, uh, congratulations, come next Monday to work. I said, thank you, sir. <laughs> the blessing! Somebody is going to say thank you, sir, today. Oh, yeah. If we have to conquer family, <laughs> why is it that the wrong things are following you? Today you are changing it. Oh, yeah. The weight. The weight. Someone say the cupboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's what you need. And, you know, as I'm talking to you, it's been activated. That's how God works. Hallelujah. So next time when God loves a man, he dies for him. <laughs> when God loves a man, he dies for him. When God loves a man, he dies for him. What manner of, of love is that? The Bible says no love is greater than this, that, than for a, a, a man to die for his fellow man. Okay? Now, guys, that's serious. Now, if God died as God, wouldn't have believed him. So he became a man. So a man died for a man. So Jesus Christ actually died. They even buried him. They even put spices on him. There was even, they, they, were, they were trying to embalm his body. They probably closed his eyes. No more death. He died. They put his body together. He died. He was going to even be stiff like this. They put him down. They straightened him. They wrapped burial clothes around him. They closed his eyes nicely. He died. 
part of this, don't you understand? <laughs> Jesus died. They cried, they cried, they cried. They even took him to a tomb. If it was in this day, they would have taken him to a mortuary. He, the man is dead. You need to realize that he did. He died dead. <laughs> it would be easy for say, God died for us. No, that's true. But he was a human being. He was feeling the pain. His spirit left his body. He died. Do you understand that? He was in pain, in anguish. The same way people, people die. Many don't want to. And he gave up his ghost and he died. This Bible says this is love, that a man should die for another. And this is, this is one way to know. Let me tell you something, young ladies. If you want to know whether a man loves you or not, the test is, I'm not saying he should, but he must love you to the extent that he can die for you. And for me, And all the ladies said, <laughs> I didn't know this was going to cause members to want to leave the church. <laughs> One of the things, one of my most important qualities you should look for in a man, it's not the money. It's not the job. A man must be madly in love with you. He must be willing to leave his family. You see, this thing is sacred. What the Bible teaches is this. Listen. What the Bible teaches is this. Hmm. It says, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife. It's so sacred. You can't be in your mother's and father's house and would take a girlfriend, and marry someone in the same house as your parents. You are a joker. You just don't know it yet. You can't. You get out of the house. And then getting out also is emotional attachment or control. Your mother shouldn't be coming in to say, Oh, my now and my beans. If you married a slave queen and what she's cooking for you and use papers and salt and water, that is your wife. Your mother should stay out of it. Your wife comes. You know, members couldn't believe this. So they said, they started saying, No, he just loves the woman. When a man loves you, you don't have to feed him. Just the love itself is enough. When a man loves you, he can, his parents could be struggling. He would take all the money into your house. 
no koryo koryo involved. Just love. That's why they say love is blind. And it must be. Because if it's looking, it will give up. It won't die for you. If you want to marry the woman, you should love her. So that if she does anything funny, you will not react. Because if you love someone, they can scar you. Don't say me if you have a crown of thorns, but you are still going to die for them. That's love. Meanwhile, here they are saying, you are naive. You are being used. And they are saying, no, she cannot be using all that money which she worked so hard for. So they are saying you should do a prenuptial agreement where you say, if we divorce, you sign a contract. You say, that's a joke from hell. If you are going to marry someone, all your property becomes theirs. Matter of fact, when a man marries a woman, there should be nothing in his name. Everything he buys must be in the name of the woman. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Listen. The standard is that of Christ. What the Bible teaches is that everything Christ did in Ephesians chapter number one, he says, was for the church, the bride. So stop, don't tell me what you've seen in your village. I'm talking about what the Bible says here. Because when a man gets married, he ceases to live for himself. He lives to please the woman. The Bible says a man shall leave his father and mother. And our perfect example, why God was saying that is so sacred was because Christ did the same. He left his throne. When, Jesus, when God was saying a man shall leave his father and mother, he had Christ in mind. He knew that Christ had to leave his throne. The Bible says, although he was essentially one with God, being in the form of God and possessing the very attributes which make God God, Ephesians chapter number 2, beginning from verse 5, let this same attitude which was in Christ Jesus be in you also, who although he was in the form of God, possessing the very attributes which make God God, meaning if God was omnipresent, Jesus was omnipresent. If God was omnipotent, Jesus was omnipotent. But the Bible says he stripped himself of all rightful dignities and be, and, and became a normal human being and then he went further to the death on the cross why for his wife and then the, I think maybe this is why Paul just said I'm not marrying <laughs> I'm joking I'm, jo I'm joking because <laughs> and that's why he was so free to teach he was like uh, husbands love your wives like Christ loved the church That's the demand. And God demonstrated it to us himself. So if a man is going to love you, he must be madly in love with you. Because when a man loves you, he can tolerate your girlness. Because sometimes girls will just wake up. You don't know. She just tells you, I'm not feeling loved. 
And sometimes she just wants to be with you everywhere you go. And you can't tell you be, you be independent because you are one. If you don't love someone, you will crack. If you love people, you will tolerate them. So when God loves a man, he dies for him. Now, this is so important. When God, number, number three, so when God loves a man, number one, he makes him in his own image and likeness. Number two, he dies for him. Number three, he makes him a sibling. This is a blessing. Now, ladies, imagine a man, everything he owns is writing in your name. I mean, isn't that a blessing? I think that's a blessing. It means a man... That means you are without fear. Because you love your woman. You are without fear. The fear and love can't exist in the same place. Because scripturally, the opposite of fear is love. They can't exist in the same place. So meaning you can't be afraid and say, what if she leaves me? If you're afraid of her, you don't love her. Either that or your love for her has not yet been perfected. But he needs to come to that place of perfection. <laughs> when God loves a person, he makes him a sibling. Now, guys, this is powerful. Imagine God making you his sibling. Now, I'm not, it's one thing to have him as your God, but it's another thing to have God as your sibling, as a brother. Now, think of it. Do you know who God is? Yet God is our brother. And if you are falsely humble, you will say that is blasphemy. That's called false humility. When you become too low for a blessing you've qualified for. When you, become, when you make yourself too low for a blessing you've been qualified for, that's called false humility and God doesn't like it. Because it has its root in pride. Remember that brother I shared, you with, I shared with you about who came in and was saying, Father, we are nothing before you. We are just sinners saved by grace. No. No. I'm not just a sinner saved. I'm saved. I'm a child of God. My sin is behind me. I can't still be praying like a sinner saved by grace. That's false humility. You've already been qualified. You keep disqualifying yourself. Imagine your 15-year-old son coming to cry, Dad, I don't deserve the money, but I'm asking for bread money. We need to buy bread. Oh, God. <laughs> Lord, Daddy, Dad. You can start saying, can you take him to Chinama? I know I wronged you yesterday. That's why sometimes people sing the wrong things. I must confess. That it's hard for me to pray. <laughs> I must confess that it's hard for me to pray. Then their favorite part, they even do like this. You seem so far away. <laughs> Meanwhile, the sister is not worshiping. She's not leading in worship. She's trying to confess her sins. 
which God forgave her, but she can't forgive herself. Because that's what some people's problem. God has forgiven them. They, they keep calling them themselves a fool. How can I do that? How did I do that? False humility. So God calls us his sibling. Take me to the book of John, chapter number 20, verse 16. Oh my goodness, this teaching was supposed to end in two Sundays. Now, look. There's going to be part 1B. Listen to this. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means to say teacher. Let's go. Jesus said to her, do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Now listen to this. Jesus changes his statement. He said, but go and tell my brothers. Jesus started calling them his brothers. Why? Because when Jesus Christ died, the Bible calls him the firstborn from the dead. So when he rose from the dead, he knew, I'm now going to have siblings. Jesus Christ is called the firstborn from the dead. At some point, Jesus Christ used to be called the only begotten of the Father. But after his resurrection, the truth had changed. Don't call Jesus the only begotten of the Father. He is not. He himself knows he's not. Because he purchased our birthright to God. And he wanted to do it. Jesus couldn't wait to call us his brothers. Let's love. When God loves a man, he calls him his brother. So the Bible says, go tell my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending. And he emphasizes, he says, to my father and your father. Then he says, and to my God and your God. So Jesus is not, let's go to Hebrews. Somebody say, hey! Listen, as you are walking, you, you the one who's been tormented by evil spirits, you, the one who's struggling and you're thinking God does love you. Meanwhile, Jesus is your elder brother. Jesus is your older brother. You know the purpose of a preacher is to make announcements. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter number 10, how can I know unless a preacher has been sent? Why we are called is so that we can announce to you what is already yours. I'm just announcing. It's not the first time you're It's already there. You just never knew it. Your, your job is to believe me. Because when you do, then that dimension is activated and you walk in that power. The Bible says you shall know the truth. Sometimes the reason why you are bound is because you are just ignorant. When you know, your step changes. Imagine, as you are walking out today, Jesus is your big brother. <laughs> you can't be begging the bad dreams to leave you. When Jesus is your big brother, you just put him on the spot and you say, in the name of my big brother Jesus. Listen, there are big brother privileges. I mean, look at that. Look at Hebrews. Chapter number 2, verse 12. The Bible says, For he said, chapter 2, verse 11, rather. The Bible says, Jesus the Holy One makes us holy. And as sons and daughters, we now belong to the same Father. This is not revelation. It's doctrine. It's there in the Bible for you to read. It's not a new thing. There's a difference. Revelation means it was never there. But this is knowledge. You have not yet even entered into revelation of what it means for Jesus to be your brother. This is just knowledge. Look, for both he who sanctifies, give me verse, verse 11. It's just knowledge. But on knowledge you are choking. False humility. You, you didn't apply for you to be Jesus' older brother. He made you 
take advantage of it. He made you. It was him who wanted to be a brother to you so that you could be saving his God, who is also your God together. Look at that. Jesus the Holy One makes us holy, and as sons and daughters, we now belong to the same father. So he is not ashamed or embarrassed to introduce us as his brothers and sisters. So when Jesus is introducing us in other dimensions of existence, before other angels, you know, you know the other time I was giving a dream to my brother, them they are bowing before him, they are great, they rule cities. They are not his brothers, they are his subjects. <laughs> but when he's introducing you, he says, you know, my, my, my sister Miriam uh, on earth. Are you listening to me? Kayasa ondele bahaya. What a joy. What a joy. What a discovery. What a power. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. When God loves a man, you are brothers and sisters of the Most High God. Hey! No, do, do, do you know what that means? That's why Jesus Christ said, you are God's. Psalm 82 shows it. Then Jesus Christ came and repeated this. He said, you are gods. And because you are all children of the Most High. That means as you are walking, you are a walking child of God. No child of God, Fidabaranda, or Muslim at all, because we are all called children of God. No. Which leads me to my next point. When God loves a man, he makes him his biological child. When God loves people, he makes them their biological, he makes them his biological children. I'm not talking about hey, No, 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 no. You know, sometimes I think of these things and I'm just like, no, no. I refuse certain things. I get into new levels. I experience new dimensions of the spirit. Because this, the, the things is clear. The devil can't keep me in a certain place. No, there's something I learned as I read the word of God. I walk a certain way. Kayazda, leparonde legibag. Salavazia, hado. Glory. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm preaching myself happy. Now, look at this. He makes, he makes him his biological child. First John chapter 3. Give me verse 1. The Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Now, that word children is the word technon. The word technon comes from a Greek word which means as, as produced by. There's another word called huios. For example, when the Bible says in Romans chapter number 8, for as many as are led by the Spirit, the same, the same are the children or sons of God. That word sons is the word huios. It means developed and matured in the things of the Father. That's different. But then this one means born of his nature. There are two kinds of life. When you're reading the Bible, there's a life called suke, which means breath, which means the life that flows in the blood, the kind of life that we use when we eat food and we eat glucose and it goes in and it, it, is, it is used for metabolic processes to produce energy for our bodies. Uh, it, it causes us to move, to blink. It's that life, that life which is produced by food, that life which is defined by our DNA and the way that we must live. It's defined by genetics. It's called, it's the life of a man. But then there's a different kind of life we also carry. 
the, uh, this is called Zoe. Or the life which comes from God. When a person does not have Jesus in their hearts, they have the first kind of life. They are born after the flesh. They are a normal human being. But when they receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, something changes about them. God imparts in them the seed of God. They become a child of God not because they are born again just, but because there has been an alteration in their spiritual nature. And that spiritual nature now begins to affect their physical nature. Because every person's spiritual nature, sometimes when a person is struggling as a believer physically, sometimes it means there's a dimension of their spiritual life they have not yet been awakened to so that they can activate it in the flesh. Because what the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 3, that by faith we understand that the worlds were created by this word of God so that the things which are or the things which do appear, we are not made of the things which do appear, but the things that we see, we are in fact made of the things that we do not see. And this is why verse 14 says, and the word became flesh, or the things that we do not see, the personality we are unable to see, became a personality we can see. That means there are transactions that happen between these realms of existence, that the things we do not see can be made manifest to things that we can see. In other words, there can be a job you are looking for in the spirit. Stop chasing the boss. Look for it in the spirit. There's got to be some button somewhere. There's got to be some scripture. There's got to be some blessing. There's got to be some prayer. There's got to be some direction in the spirit, some divine connection which will produce the physical job. Because the Bible says, and the word became flesh. There's a solidification that happens, a crystallization. There's a sublimation that happens that from the realm of the spirit, things begin to change and they become something that we can touch. Are you listening to me? The word became flesh. So you can find a person is struggling with something in the flesh. They are looking for answers in the flesh. Sometimes I see people, they are struggling with something, they don't know why. And they're just drinking medication, but they've never tried to see in the word of God what they need to fix in the spirit. There's nothing wrong with medication. I believe it's God's wisdom as we are seeking ways to find our way out to sustain our bodies. But if a man immediately, the few weapon, ah, medicine, medicine. The enemy will make you a slave of himself. But by some of these discoveries, some of you will realize it's been 20 years you've never taken a tablet. Because you are activating a life which is beyond medicine, a life which is beyond food. How was Jesus Christ able to live for 40 days and 40 nights without eating anything? Or how was Moses, when Moses came back from the mountain, you know, a time is going to come very soon when you will need to live by these truths. Now, because you've got bread and sausage in your fridge, you're not bothered. But a time is coming when you will have to live by the presence of God. Jesus meant it when he said, man shall not live by bread alone. He was not just talking metaphorically. A time is coming where people will be locked in places for days, but when they come out, they'll be looking fresh, like they've been eating everything. How does Daniel for many days eat only vegetables and come out as healthy? Is it vegetables have got a nutrient they offer? They don't offer everything. For you to be fat, you need fats, you need proteins, and vegetables, don't, if they have those, they have in very minute measures. But he came out very fat, looking more healthy than those who are eating proteins food offered to idols. Why? Because beyond vegetables, when they touched those vegetables and said, Father, in the name of Jesus, nutrients began to enter. Vitamins, proteins. Hey, are you listening to me? <laughs> That's what happens. The same, the same dimension of grace which Jesus Christ used when he lifted bread and said, 
Father, I thank you. Something happened that material began to multiply. Processes of multiplication began to happen, and there was much bread. In the same way, something is, the Bible says, they shall lay their hands on the sick, and the sick shall be healed. They'll give you a bottle of water, and it would have been poisoned. <laughs> but when you open it like this, just because you've touched it, something leaves your hands. Because look, you just don't have the life which everyone has. There's a life you carry, and by the weight of glory being activated in your life, as you are walking, that life is oozing out of you. I said that life is oozing out of you. Give me First John chapter 3, verse 9. It's the life of God. Someone say, I have the life of God. Like I'm telling you, I'm just announcing it to you. It's not like this is when you're, even if you deny it, you have it. It's like people who say, no, he never took care of me. He's not my father. His blood mm, in your veins. You can't deny it. It's already a part of you. Even if you deny it, you never walk in the revelation that you are a child of God. It doesn't change it. You just suffer, but you have the means to escape from the suffering. So what you do when you receive the word of God, you say, Lord, this is big, but I accept it. It's working in my health. It's working in my wealth. It's working in my dreams. I'm a child of God. I'm a sibling of the Lord Jesus. And as you are talking like that, the angels are listening because the Bible says, I'll do the very thing you say. So as you are speaking, graces and forces are being organized to come and work for you. Shout hallelujah, somebody. When God loves a man, he makes him his biological child. The life which makes God healthy is the same life which flows in you. Give it to me. It says, whoever has been born of God, verse 9, does not sin. For his seed, the word seed there is the word sperma, from where we get the word sperm. And when we talk about sperm, we are talking about the genetic information that make a person a person, the color of the eyes, and even the inheritance of diseases. Sometimes this is why they ask you in the hospital. They say, uh, has anyone been asthmatic in your family? Then they say, oh yeah, the grandfather, you took it from him. But then this is also what you take from, from God. The Bible says, for his seed remains in him. So next time they tell you, has anyone been asthmatic in your family before the doctor? You say, no. Then the asthma is like, hmm? Because it knows it's in the wrong address. <laughs> hey! Let me tell you something about our genetic line. The kind of genetics we've inherited from God, this kind of genetic makeup, and these, they are always dominant. We don't have recessive alleles. When we are in trouble, we sleep. So you see one time, one time, Jesus Christ is in a storm and he's flat asleep. He wasn't pretending. He was genuinely asleep. When they woke him up, I can even imagine him first. He talented the beach. He was like, hey, guys, enough pain. Eh? Hey, you don't care that we die. He was, uh, uh, uh. Then he says, Phew. somebody say, then he says, peace be still. Somebody say, peace be still. Peace be still. They arrested Peter. And when Peter was about to, you know, was about to be, they had four squads of soldiers, meaning four this side, four this side, four this side, four that side, guarding one man. They knew his genetic formula. They knew where he came from. So they said, Dad, this one, you don't make a mistake. You know? But the Bible says he slept, and the Greek word used there is sleeping like a baby for meaning when a person sleeps, they don't care about anything. They will wake up, disturb everyone. They don't care. They will sleep again, wake you up. They, he just slept like a baby. Why? Because there's somewhere he learned from. You'll be writing an exam you never studied for. And everybody will be panicking, looking for what to do. But you can't explain it. There's just a rest about you. Why? Because there's a genetic formula. Somebody shout! So 
some of you, they'll tell you, this disease you have is incurable. <laughs> you don't know the life I carry. You don't know the life I carry. You just walk. They wonder, you, oh, you're always strong. No, this kind of sickness. Yeah, they, they don't know. They don't know. The, the Bible says the, the, the principle of life, the sperma, the thing that is in God also dwells in you. That's why the Bible says the strong spirit of man will sustain him in sickness. The doctor may say you are sick, but you say it is what? One minute of the gospel was told, hey, you've got BP. He said, a woman cannot, a man cannot be pregnant. They said, huh? That's how the BP left. <laughs> <laughs> There's a calm about you. My wife is always telling me, this, you're so calm. We are driving and somebody does something funny, then I maneuver them and you find then we are okay. And then my, I look and I just like, mm-hmm. and my wife is like, hey, you are so calm. I'm like, genetics. Yeah. Hey! Yeah. And you are not pretending. You can't explain why you are just calm. You don't react, you respond. Genetics. When God loves a man, also you, you just, you can't explain, but you want to cause changes by the word of your mouth. The Bible says, where the king is, the word, the word of the king is, is power. So you are in your room, you don't like things that have been happening. You're not crying. Something in you, the genetics in you tell you that you where you come from, they change things by the word of their power and by the power of their word. So you stand and you raise your hand. Sometimes you don't even know why you're raising your hand. But the Bible says, God told Moses to stretch his hand and divide the sea. And as he stretched his hand, the Bible says, he blew his nostrils and parted the sea and they crossed, the Bible says, on dry ground. Those same genetics which were responsible for parting the Red Sea are part of you. Those dimensions dwell in you. Hey, do you believe this? So that's why we raise our hands sometimes. Sometimes we are parting seas. You don't know it. You may not understand it. But something is cooking in the spirit. Something is happening in the spirit. You just go parasate. Before you know it, there's a spring in your feet. Hey! You are blessed in the name of Jesus. You are blessed going in and coming out. You will never be a victim of your circumstances. You rise above all the forces of darkness. You dwell in the secret place of the Most High. You'll be above only and never beneath. You are the light of this world. You are a child of the Most High God. Shadow by Hallelujah. Pray in other tongues. This is the love of God. Brothers and sisters, this is a blessing. This is what we mean when we say we are blessed. Come on, confess. Begin to say I'm blessed. I am blessed. I am loved of God. He created me in his image and likeness. He is my father. He is my brother. 